Hello and welcome to the Strength to be Human podcast with your host, poet and playwright, Mark Anthony Rossi. In this, our third year, we continue to explore the meaning of being an artist in an ever-changing digital world. Now, without further ado, here is your host. Hi folks and welcome back to Strength to be Human. I'm your host, the poet and playwright, Mark Anthony Rossi. This is episode 185. Uh, we're doing another mailbag uh, episode, uh, the first one for the new year of uh, 2021. This will be uh, mailbag 7, Writing as Projection. I thought it was kind of a funny title because in many ways when we're talking about projection, it's more of a psychological term, meaning that the things you talk about uh, to, to someone is really referring to you. If you're calling them a beast or you're calling them a philanderer or you're calling them an idiot, you might actually be talking about yourself. I, I thought it was kind of funny, though, that oftentimes when we're writing, we are projecting things about ourselves. Now, most of the times we uh, actually... Are trying to do that that's that is the goal but in some instances uh, things can come out of you you don't realize and sometimes uh, people can get embarrassed and they might even say hey that's not really about me or that's not really about things in general it's just made up it's just writing blah 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 but hey you put something down on paper and you're willing to go out there and get it published well you're gonna have to stand by it it's no different than the show I mean that's how things have to work Otherwise, why even broadcast it then? Now, I got emails here for seven different episodes. All right, um, I I'm certainly am grateful. As always, it's always going to be a mixed bag of things that are, you know, um, rah-rah uh, cheerleading and then other things where it's just dour and just hard to understand where they're coming from. But, hey, they're listeners, and uh, we'll make comment as we go. And, you know, and if that means that they don't want to listen anymore or don't want to comment anymore, because of something I said or something I even said on the show, well, that's the risk that we all have to take. But nevertheless, it's a good way for you to see what people are thinking about the shows. Maybe you might want to contribute yourself. I've actually encouraged a few people who, who wrote me to, to do so, and they did, and, and, I'm, and I'm grateful, okay? All right, let's go on here. Uh, like I've said in all these shows before, and it bears repeating, um... It's not like somebody makes this comment and says, this goes to the poetry book episode or this goes to the book review episode. Sometimes they refer that way. Other times they don't. And you just have to sort of guess from the direction they're going that that's what they're doing. So I try to do my best to put it into the category that I believe that it belongs. Um, if I have a comment that is so vague, you know, I might not even include it at all, which I've had to do before because it's like, oh. How do you make comment on something? You don't even know what they're really referring to, what episode, what theme, what topic. You know, I don't like to get that general. Uh, you know, if someone's making a comment, I do my best to make sure they're specific to the episode that I believe they're commenting on. If I don't really believe it or if it's just too vague, then I'll have to leave it until maybe they get back to me and say, hey, you know, then they'll understand what's happening. Until then... You know, I do my best here. Most of the times, I, I can guess well, but 
you know, I might make a mistake somewhere down the line, but I'm certainly trying not to do that. <laughs> okay, let's see what we got here. All right. Uh, the the first couple here are from planning your first poetry book. Uh, a, a quite a popular episode, I might add. Uh, had a lot of downloads, a lot of people asking about it, a lot of a lot of comments. So I'm certainly uh, grateful for that. I just thought it was one of those episodes, you know, that might really live past the day, so to speak, as something that down the line, even years from now, could be useful to help people because. Some of the fundamentals in it are not really going to change. You have to, you know, have an idea about how you want to organize the book and what theme you might want to do and roughly how many poems should be in it and some basic marketing tips and that sort of thing. I mean, they're not going to change really from 10 years ago to 20 years later. So it's it's going to be the same thing. It's really that that basic, but it bears in mind to have that information. All right. So I'm going to read these uh, comments going forward, all right? This will be from Planning Your First Poetry Book. Just what I needed to help organize my efforts and my thoughts. There's a lot that goes into this that I once thought was simple. I see now it requires creativity beyond the writing. Yeah, and it does. That's what it, sometimes the, the things I mentioned about something like this can take people by surprise because you forget that you know, there is a certain order of things that you should be doing. There is a kind of a craft to it all. You just can't mix it all together, you know what I mean, like a, like a bunch of foods and hope it's going to taste good. Because, hey, you know, if, if there is a craft or if there is a science to, to cooking, well, then why would that be um, putting together a poetry book, particularly if it's your first one, okay? I wish I knew this before my first book. Yet Madonna said in Like a Virgin... You have to do it again and make it everything you want. Thank you for helping me renew my spirit. Well, I didn't think I'd ever hear Madonna or virgins in my show, but I see the point. And yeah, that's true. Um, I have, I've dealt with a lot of people that, you know, they uh, ask me to try to get their book reviewed or ask me to review it or ask me to promote it or whatever, and it turns out it's their second book. But for all intents and purposes is they feel that it's their first book because their first book wound up getting ruined because they got tricked by one of these vanity publishers that want thousands to do nothing and you know the thing is all crappy it's supposed to be edited that was never done and you know etc 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 so oftentimes they felt that that whole effort was just complete ruining the whole experience and they wanted to try something new with somebody illegitimate and do it right so they felt that their second effort, in many ways, became their first effort. In some instances, that's just how they think about it and even refer it, you know, because they figure the first one doesn't really count for anything. And that, that might be the case. So I, I got that, and, and thank you very much for that. All right, next one here on the uh, comments for uh, planning your first poetry book. There are many editors out there who are not deserving of the title. To be of so little support or dissuade writers from their first book is a sad commentary on the state of writing. You, sir, are a hero in all that you do. I never heard anyone give everything they know to assist other writers. I know of dozens who owe you a debt. I am one of them now. Well, that's a hell of a comment to make. Thank you. Uh, and I don't want to sound falsely modest, but I don't know anything about heroes. What I do know is this. Um... 
We live in the world where so few people seem to care about helping each other or doing anything that when someone does something, suddenly they get singled out as some some giant of generosity or something. But I'm just helping people because it's what we should do as writers. It should be a natural instinct. And, and to not do it doesn't make any sense. Uh, so unfortunately, there isn't a lot of people that do that, whether other writers or other editors. I try to encourage that more and more as much as I can. But until more of that comes about, then someone like me is going to look bigger than they should. And that's just the truth of the matter. I'm not putting myself down, and I'm not really trying to put down others. But what I am saying is, is that if more people got involved in that, then I would be just looking like any old writer that's helping somebody else. Which is really what I feel. I don't feel I'm um, jumping around leaps and bounds over here. Alright, Art of the Book Review. I got a couple of dicey ones on this, so this will be fun, okay? Mr. Rossi, I must passionately disagree with your edict of having to review a book a month for other writers. My time is best spent on my writing. Alright, so let me take issue with a few things here, okay? First, I don't know about no edict, okay? It's a, an encouragement. I think more people should do that. I'm not saying if you don't do this, you're not a writer. I am saying that you're not someone that is genuine enough as in the spirit that you might not get this one day. You know, you start your own karma that way. And that's not a good thing. Alright? And yeah, all of our time would be best spending on writing. But guess what? There's a lot of our days, a lot of our weeks, a lot of our life in general that's going to get spent on relationships and families and children and job and being ill and recovering and this and that. So... You can't do a review of a book now and then to help the community out there, to help other writers. You know, and, and yeah, maybe you could do it and hope they'll do it for you, or maybe you could just do it because it's the right thing. But uh, no, we don't agree on that. That's that's definitely right. All right, next. What guarantee do I have when my book is out there that I will get a review or two? It seems like I risk wasting my time reviewing books of other writers. Right, another lovely sentiment. And let me put it to you real easily, okay? There is no guarantee, okay? Everything we do as writers is a risk. We risk writing something that might not connect. We risk writing something that might not get published, that's going to get rejected. You know, we risk that somebody we know might just hate the piece we did. That's all a risk. So, yeah. You could review a, a few things for people and maybe no one does anything for you. That's happened. It could happen. It's happened before. It's not like it's uncommon. But you're never really going to know or you're never really going to encourage more people unless you're doing the same thing. You, you really need to try to do that. Okay? You want a guarantee? Go work for the post office. Okay? Although the way they've been working lately and how the mail seems to be late all the time now which is the first time I've ever experienced that in my life. You know, we can't blame everything on COVID, so maybe that's not even a guarantee anymore. All right, uh, third comment on art of the book review. Writers should help other writers, and reviewing books is one method to get that done. I, like you, are bothered with poets and poems about improving the world while these writers do nothing to help change it. 
Yeah, it's one of my comments. It's not only because it's a good thing for the for the community. It's a good thing to help other artists. But you know, quite frankly, it, it gets tiresome to hear people uh, put poems out about why the world is bad and what we could do to improve the world, and then they're not doing anything. Okay, all right. You want to talk about homelessness? Okay, great. Are you doing anything to help improve that? Donating some money for that? Donating some food for that? Volunteering in a homeless kitchen or a homeless shelter? Are you doing anything towards that? Because writing all about that stuff is all wonderful and good. But again, what does that really do? If you're not out there doing something. But you're lamenting, oh, the world stinks. Oh, I wish it could be better. Okay, well, guess what? Wish isn't going to do it, folks. Right? Go out there and do something. Writing is doing something, but it's not enough if this is going to be your attitude. You have to do more than just write, okay? Just like you can't complain about people not observing my work, but then you're doing the same thing, all right? You don't have an argument if you're not out there doing things to help improve the world as well. That's that's my take on it. All right, next one. The episode, Dream as a Muse. Now, I always like the idea about talking about dreams mainly because I still think that they have a real element in, in the arts. And we're still learning the connections to it all. But it's not a bunch of gobbledygook psychology and it's not a bunch of misty, wisty spiritual nonsense. There's something really there. The dream is a touchstone for many writers. And I love how you went about it in this episode. You didn't belittle it. Or make it a major mystical adventure. Dreams have a place. As usual, your show does a fine job in pointing the right way. Yeah, that, that's what I'm really saying over there. Um, hell, I wish I could have used some of those lines. Uh, dreams have a place. Pointing in the right way. I'd love to have used those in the show. <laughs> but, um, yeah, they, they do. And, and that's the reason why I did the episode. And I did one early whenever we first started the show a couple years ago. And, you know, I did one a couple months ago. Why? Because it bears mention that it can have an impact. It could be something that, that could be useful. It could even be your own internal way of, 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 of getting into the right direction. Remember, we talk about his writings. Uh, we talk about the notes. And we talk about, you know, uh, making a, a first draft and trying to work from there. And, and who knows if a dream can also be another component of of the creative way of finally getting a work out there and, and getting it right. It could be your unconscious or subconscious or if you believe in the spiritual world, something's happening on your shoulder saying, hey, why don't you look over in this direction? So, yeah, it's possible. The subject of dreaming in lesser hands would result in a bad trip down cliche land. Truly appreciate you bringing to life many subjects that need a better explanation and a deeper examination. Boy, he's some, you can tell these folks are writers because uh, I'm telling you they're, they're they're writing better than I'm than I'm dictating the show over here. <laughs> that's true, though, and, and that's really the perfect way of putting it. When you talk about dreams, you're talking about something that really needs a better explanation and a deeper examination, no doubt. Hopefully, we helped you uh, along that line. I don't know if it's it's gonna. You know, uh, be a, a better explanation from what I did on the show. And I certainly don't know if it's going to be any deeper of an examination. But I don't want to get too technical and too scientific on these shows. I think it, 
you know, it, it throws people off, and they shouldn't have to be sitting around here two hours re-listening re re to something to get something out of it. You know, I try to be as accessible as possible. I really think that's the best thing to do on a, on a show like this. And, you know, in case you haven't realized it, it's a show. It's a podcast. So you have to have some some element of, of if you want to call it entertainment, at least something that, that does have an easier accessibility to it. So we try to do that, and I try to keep that in mind so I don't get too too out there, all right? All right, last uh, comment on this, uh, Dream as a Muse. I don't mean to be critical, but why have a show on dreams when so few of them result in any meaningful artistic translation? You have admitted to only have one or two works helping inform your final drafts. Sorry, but I don't see the point. I tell folks all the time, and I mean this, I don't mind the, the criticism when it makes sense. If it's mean or ridiculous, that's one thing. I'm going to call out on it, no doubt about it. And this, In this case, I don't think the person is trying to be mean, so I don't really feel to you know, respond back in some rough way. What I will say is simply this, okay? Yeah, you're right. Oftentimes, dreams don't have that much of an impact. You'll talk to many writers that they've only had it happen a couple times where it really gave them some big insight. I've only had it happen a couple times myself. So, yeah, that's that's all true. Okay? But it doesn't mean you don't have a show about it. It wasn't like I, I just mentioned it, you know, and, and then I just rambled on for like a half an hour or something. I, I try to put the, the dots together as much as I'm able to. We try to look at some research. We try to look at what other artists have done, even what I've uh, experienced myself. So I think it does, uh, bears mentioning, and I think it holds a weight enough for, for a show. You know, if we don't agree, then we don't agree. But that that's why I did that, okay? But thank you very much for listening, and... Hopefully, uh, there'll be some of these shows that, that made a better connection for you. <laughs> okay? All right. All right. The loss of passion and imagination in the 21st century. All right? That's another one of the episodes. we got a couple of interesting comments on those. What a powerful episode. And I wholeheartedly agree that a loss of passion and imagination stems from the ease of life due to technological convenience. I don't know if we need to spend more time on a farm to have a better connection with nature, but we do need to get out of the house more. Social media is a cancer on our souls. Alright, so, I, I don't know if the loss of passion and imagination it comes from technological convenience, or maybe just convenience in general. Especially in, in some of the Western nations where a lot of the uh, the issues about the society at large have been solved. I mean, if you think about it, you know, uh, poverty is still quite small in most Western civilized uh, nations, most developed ones. So is disease and public health and all that sort of stuff. So, you know, we do have a lot of conveniences, but that's that's just for, for living in a free society. And, you know, people want to do something like that, they can. So I don't know if it's always just technological. But hey, I hear you, and no doubt staying away from some of those things once in a while or having just a day where you're walking in the park or you're hiking in nature or whatever definitely has to help us and um, social media being a cancer on our souls yeah it can be sometimes it might be another thing that we need to walk away from more especially the way things have been going lately where they're telling you what to think and what to say and, and what to believe not good alright next here while I do not believe you're a prude that bit about sex and marriage seems dated and out of place for 21st century thinking. 
Freedom of expression is a form of passion and should not be misconstrued as negative because sometimes it doesn't work out. And I agree with that. But also, I mentioned that, hey, some of that convenience we're talking about that can really take a lot of our imagination and passion away also comes from some of our social interactions. You know, a whole lot of whole lot of premarital sex and a whole lot of uh, everybody can divorce every five seconds. You don't think that has an impact on people and how they view relationships, how even they view the other gender? It, it has to. And, and no doubt that it does when you have over half marriages uh, ending in divorce. Now, I don't know about my telling you this uh, being that somehow it's dated and out of place. Because guess what? Um, I recall that there are rules about... Um, lying and his rules about adultery and his rules about murder and they're from thousands of years ago when we were told that they were written on tablets called the ten commandments we're still using those in the 21st century so apparently they're not out of date so i'm not trying to be out of date over here i'm not trying to give you some weird philosophy or some conservative take on this i'm just saying that we need to be able to take some responsibility for our conduct you know, you, you ever you ever ask one of those uh, one of those people that that constantly have problems with relationships, whether it be marriages or just relationships in general, ask them about what what they're doing. You'll be shocked to find out that they're not learning anything from the last twenty relationships that went down the tubes. They're still acting the same way. All right. Now we're told just from the dictionary that if you uh, continue to do the same thing over and over again. The same thing over and over again and expecting a different result, that's a sign of insanity. So if there's truth in that, then you have to take the logic that if you keep dating the same type of people over again and acting the same way and you're expecting a different result, that, you know, maybe yourself is acting in a form of, of being insane. But I can Gary, one thing for sure, it's unhealthy. You're not learning anything. If you're not learning anything, you're not going to improve your selection or even your behavior. You're never going to make that kind of connection. So that, that's all I'm saying by that. We should really look at our own conduct for this 21st century. Is it wise to, you know, have sex on the first date? I'm not suggesting that, you know, we're all supposed to wear, you know, Amish clothing over here and, and not have sex until we get married at four years after dating somebody. All right? I, I'm not saying we need to go to that extreme either, but who says it's this other extreme in the other direction is any healthier or any wiser? It, to me, it doesn't seem like it's a good idea. It's the same thing with with the divorce rate. Why is it so high? Now, you got some people that say it's high because it's easier to get a divorce. To me, I, I think that messing with the procedure of marriage is stupid to say that. I, I, to me, it's more about, oh, we're just not making the smart selection. Oh, oh we get married for the wrong reasons. Those are the things we should be examining. Our own ideas, our own intentions, and our own behavior. When we do that, well, we'll have a happier society, okay? And then maybe we wouldn't be such a loss for passion or imagination. Whether that's in creativity or that's in the bedroom. Alright, last comment here. Your points about Hollywood and streaming are on target. We forget that the advances in society are coming from machinery and not content. 25 sequels of something regardless of special effects is a lack of imagination. Well, you know, I'll give it for me on that. That is that is the truth. And that, that's what we need to be looking at over there. Especially as creative people ourselves. Okay? Please, let's not, you know, rip off something from the Transformers and think we got something original here. Just like we shouldn't be, 
you know, lifting phrases off of bumper sticker politicians and thinking that we're being, like, incredibly creative, because we're not. We need to find something new to say. And maybe even something new to do. All right. Here's the next one. Ailments and the Arts. It's an episode that, you know, I, I get these episodes now and then where I like the idea. I'm committed to whatever I'm, I'm putting out here. So don't get me wrong. I don't run away from any of my shows. I also understand that you're going to have some topics that are not going to be as interesting or as popular with some people than, than others are. And this is one that's not. I mean, I look at the uh, the numbers and the downloads. It's respectable, but, you know, it's not as high as other ones. That's just what you do. I mean, you, you can't go on, you know, I, I think second-guessing yourself all the time. It's a legitimate thing to say. I like the idea. All right, here's the comment. I only got one. I'll give you the benefit of the doubt that you're not running out of ideas on the show to have to include ailments. I feel... You didn't need to make your case, and I think no one cares about legless painters or coughing riders. We all have a cross to bear. Why beat the horse on this one? So that's my comment. And as you can see, it's definitely a, I would call it a, 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 a mean one. And it's definitely not one that, that has much heart, okay? All the things that could be obstacles in our lives, whether it's an emotional issue we had today in our day and, and now it causes some writer's block or of its depression which we talk about a lot and, and it's a good segment of the writing community or you know people without legs or have cancer or go blind i don't know why i'm not supposed to talk about this because it's not interesting well maybe it's not interesting to you but it's interesting to other people to hear about it not because Maybe they're listening to it going, yeah, thanks, Mark, because I don't have a leg either. Or I don't have an eyesight or whatever. No, it's because it's important for us to understand that there are people out there that are, that, that are doing their best to concentrate and be creative and struggle to the challenges they have because of the elements that, that have now been beset behind them. And not, a lot of them are not their fault. Yeah, a lot of these artists I mentioned in that show, they didn't cause these things. So... The suffering is pretty real, and it definitely has a bearing on what they do. And in some cases, they even created different art forms because of the elements that happened to them or the, or the disabilities that, that befell them. So it's part of the human condition to talk about this. So I, to me, it's not about beating some horse, so it's not about you're not interested in somebody who has asthma. Um, oh, well. And yeah, we, we do all have a cross to bear. And oftentimes... Uh, writing uh, can be a component to help us through that as, as a form of therapy. And if you are just one of those people that just don't like to blurt out your your private life and just want to go about your writing, well, let me tell you something. If you're a writer and you're out there getting published on a regular basis, you're already blurting out your public life to the public. You're already doing all that. You just don't want to admit it. All right. Writing as a component of the grieving process. Here is our first comment on that. Sensitive, balanced, and humane on how writing, when used in the proper context, can help aid in the healing process of those who lost loved ones. I am sharing this with others. Thank you, and I appreciate that. Uh, it's definitely um, one of the few episodes that I put together where I really did consider what kind of impact it would have on, on the emotional well-being of somebody listening to it. I don't always do that with shows because a lot of times it's creative or it's academic or it's a matter of fact or it's, you know, 
practical like you know ailments and arts in this case over here i don't want no one listening to the show that has had that happen and uh, me just you know being flippant about it because that's not what i should be doing and the job to try to inspire somebody or at least uh, try to educate them and if i fail to do so on either one of those those issues it has to be just because you know i failed to do so it just didn't work out the show and not because i was just being a, a jerk or not doing enough consideration or enough deliberation. So I, I don't mind failing by accident, but don't want to mind, I want to fail just because I was being, you know, careless. So that's why I did that, and thank you for that. I might oppose your element show as superficial and boring, but I must confess this episode is a perfect example of how the arts can spark genuine healing in the afflicted. Uh, unbeknownst to you, but I know because I saw the email, uh, this is the same person that had all those negative comments about ailments in the arts. So um, people can be, can be complex. I'm not suggesting I know all about the human condition. And I know all about how everybody can be. Because you're never going to know. I don't know. Maybe they had some death in their life and they used the arts this way. I don't know. Maybe death is more sensitive to them than somebody having cancer and dying. I don't, I don't get it. I mean, this person is more sympathetic with death than dying. You got me. It doesn't make a lot of sense. It seems to be, uh, to me, in, in many ways, uh, psychologically inconsistent. And that's probably the nicest way I can put it. But nevertheless, that's the person commenting on two different shows, which to me have the same morale. And, and But they don't see it that way. All right, last comment on this uh, writing as a component of the grieving process. Pain, suffering, and death are stark reminders of our humanity. How we handle such challenges might determine the quality of life that remains. Your show is amazing on the myriad topics you choose to explore. No one else out there is remotely doing the same. Thank you very much. I don't really see too many people doing that. So I definitely agree on that. Not trying to pat my back. Just not trying to pat myself on the back. It's, it's, just, it's just the truth. You know, and um, I guess that's what allows us to be in the kind of the niche that we are because not too many people are doing that i wish more people would talk about these subjects at all so don't get me wrong i don't like always being the only one doing it but hey we're in the third year eh, maybe in the years ahead look more like this you never know maybe i'll, I'll start some trend some trend <laughs> you never know so i hope all right and the last one on this uh these episodes over here, okay, is uh, can machines create art? Now, I, I think it took a little people by surprise by the, the nature of the show, and they're probably saying, "What is this?" Especially since I'm coming off all these other shows. But you know, I'm not always trying to set, sound consistent on, on the theme of these shows. It's, you know, I'm, it's not like I'm putting together a book. This is simply episodes that should stand by themselves. You know, unless they're interviews where um, it's just about that topic at hand, and it could be different at any time. I just try to bring art and writing into it as much as I can, and that's what I did with this one, okay? Well, at least that's what I tried to do with this one. All right, first comment. At first, I figured this was ton-in-cheek, but I really appreciate how you broke it down so that the audience can follow your train of thought. I'm with you. I don't want robots taking my job, my girlfriend, or my writing. Opposing unrestricted technology might be the future version of human rights. And it might be, because it's getting to that point where we have to be concerned. 
about uh, technology invading our privacy, invading our DNA, uh, and maybe even, you know, trying to supersede uh, human rights. So it could be another version of that. No doubt about it. It's a good way of putting it. And thank you. You know, I might have a, a show on that one day, just trying to figure that out. All right. Next one. Far too easy to beat up on robots. Tech is the new enemy these days. Fear of the unknown is historically the essence of prejudice. Why should you even care if machines can create art? Are you afraid of competition? Be a better artist and you will have no worries. Well, that's quaint and that's cute. But it certainly isn't accurate in my opinion. Because guess what? There really isn't a fear of the unknown when we're talking about technology. In fact, if anything, it's a fear of what is known or what it could possibly do. And what has it really done to people? Whether it's cyber addiction or that convenience that causes a lack of, of passion or, or imagination. Uh, historically, the essence of prejudice. In this case, that's ridiculous because prejudice means that you're prejudging something. When we see the effects sometimes of technology, how it could be bad... That's not prejudice. <laughs> if anything, that's post-prejudice. That's, post that's We're already judging what it is, and we're making an opinion on, hey, I think this is not good, I think this is okay, etc., etc. So I don't really think we're prejudging anything. If anything, we are judging it. it just don't, you just don't like our judgments. Oh, well. Again, if, you, if you're afraid of uh, intellectual competition, then you know maybe you shouldn't make any comments at all about it. Okay, why should we create, why should we care about machines creating art? Well, because I, I think, as the show is outlined, if it's not art, then the machines is not doing it, and we're just kind of giving it some ability that's not really there. And that may be the problem with a lot of this artificial intelligence and a lot of this robotics in general, is we're pushing, as a projection, too much humanity on something that is not humane at all. And then you give it all kinds of power, what do you think you're going to get in result? <laughs> you're going to get abuse. You're going to get harm. You're going to get destruction from something that doesn't know anything about humanity. Doesn't have a soul. Doesn't have consciousness. Certainly doesn't have any morality. We want to consider that before we, we talk about being a better artist and you'll have no, or no worries. Now, even as a being a better human being, we're going to have worries because we might have gone too far with some of the stuff, and we not we might want to think of ways to start reeling it back. Last one on this: in my opinion, art can only be created by creatures with a subconsciousness, which rules out robots, rabbits, and roaches. If that offends someone, so be it. We live in a day where very few are offended by Chinese concentration camps, but will go to war over windmills, wool, and wacky words. Grow up before you find yourself behind barbed wire. It won't be so cute then. Kind of hard to have too many comments on that. That's to me. That's in my in my opinion. That's a that's not only an accurate statement. It's really the the summary of the show in many ways. That creating art as writers, you know, as artists. Is, is a human task it, it, and it has human dimensions you're hoping that it's going to make a human connection that maybe somehow we can improve the human world we're not writing about robots getting better and if we are we might want to reconsider that because like I said in the show we should be worrying about getting humans better not robots and right now I mean you get technology being used in these concentration camps more than ever before by our Chinese 
friends over there. Millions of them. Now they want to call them correction centers or facilities. These are death camps where people are being tortured and raped, having their body parts sold to Chinese officials. You need a kidney? Let's go grab one out of the people from the concentration camps. Because you know they know their blood types. They know the things that are going on with the subjects they have over there. It's pretty horrifying stuff happening right now. Why don't we write about that more? Because there's nothing fun about that. And there certainly isn't anything robotic about that. And guess what? Even though technology might be used to help enforce these evil camps, it's people that are doing this against other people. It's not robots. So anyone saying over here we're just beating up on robots, no. I mean, they deserve to be beaten up in their own right on an intellectual basis for our own human rights and for our own security. But we're still stuck at the end of the day with the same situation we've been dealing with thousands of years. People hating and harming other people. Hopefully art continues to show us the ways out of that into a better light and a, and a better world. Alright folks, thank you very much for listening to this show. Hopefully you got something out of uh, these episodes and some of the comments from people. As you can see, good, bad, or indifferent. They're, they're out there. They're listening. Uh, they're, they're certainly offering their opinions. And, and hopefully those will help you as well to understand what we're doing and what we're trying to do next on this show. Until then, that is episode 185. That would be... Mailbag number seven, writing as projections. God bless and take care. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening. Follow the show and support our efforts by visiting our sponsors at www.strengthtobehuman.com or purchasing an ebook at www.somapublishing.com.